God, everything that you're about is good. Let your kingdom come, God. coming and uh, amen brother but praise God for the day that we have to live in right we're going to talk a little bit about that today uh, welcome to community of faith today and um, my name is Jeff Bianchi I'm the lead pastor here at community of faith it's my honor and privilege to be here am I on full can you hear me in the back yeah okay good uh, <laughs> Uh, we're in the third week of our series, Becoming a Person of Influence. I didn't have time to really say, Becoming a True Person of Spiritual Influence. So we, uh, we kind of captured it, Becoming a Person of Influence. But what we're talking about in this series is, is becoming a person, not just of influence to draw people to ourselves, or a person of influence to, for people to say how great what we did was, but a person of influence in such a way that brings glory to God. That means it brings attention to God and to His attributes. It brings affection toward God and good to men, to mankind, to men and women around us. That's the kind of people we want to be. Every one of us in this room has been destined to be a person of influence. How do I know that? You have been created by the living God. And God is an influencer. He influences us in great and profound ways, and He desires to do that through us. We're looking at the life of Joseph, found uh, in the book of Genesis from chapter 37 uh, through all the way to 50. We're not going to go through every one of those chapters, but we have uh, addressed uh, a couple of things thus far. That it starts with a dream. Joseph had a dream, 
And uh, we, we discussed in the first uh, week that the dream that Joseph had, uh, even though he had a dream, he wasn't a perfect person. <laughs> and uh, he didn't have it all together yet. But God had called him for spiritual influence. You feel that way at times? You still got some issues in your life? Yeah, you do. Uh, so do I. <laughs> but, uh, but you are a person called for extreme uh, amount of influence upon other people. But just as Joseph, when he tatted on his brothers, or when he told the dream, we don't know all the details. He had a dream, but he had a process he needed to go through. Go through. But last week we spoke about the path of influence, right? And we spoke about the truth as Joseph had the dream that his brothers were going to be bowing down to him, that his father, the sun, his mother, the moon, and the eleven stars were all bowed down to him. He was excited about the dream, but as he began to walk out the dream, the path was a little different than what he expected, right? We talked last week about the path of spiritual influence is not an easy path. And the path of spiritual influence is not often a likely path, but it is the path that he is on, Jesus is on the path of spiritual influence. And that's where I want to be. I want to be on his path, where he is doing what he's doing. I'd rather have that than all the comforts and securities of this world. Because ultimately, when you have Jesus, you have all that wrapped up in one. When you ultimately have Jesus, you will find comfort and security and all of that. We talked over those last two weeks. You know, everyone has the capability of influence, whether for good or for evil upon people. And as we look at uh, Joseph's life, again, I'm going to tell you that God's intended us to exert that influence that brings glory to him and good for mankind. But just as uh, Joseph ultimately provided for his whole family, God's got a people for you to influence. He's got, not just for our community, yes, for us as a community, but he's got people through your life that he wants to influence. And God has a plan for you to make ways, make a way for others. Your decisions are affecting other people, whether you want them to or not. They affect other people. The way you live your life will either leave a legacy or leave a lot of brokenness. And we pray, and I believe and have faith for each and every one of you, that you will lead a life of love and grace that honors God. So this third week in our series, we're going we're to move a little further into the uh, story of Joseph. Joseph has been... Uh, sold into slavery in Potiphar's house. Uh, and he is there right now, okay? That's where he is in the story. And we're going to pick up and talk about overcoming temptation. Very, very key. If you want to become a person, and not only become a person of spiritual influence, of influence, you must learn how to overcome temptation. Let's look here. Um, at this series and this concept of overcoming temptation. One day about eight years ago, I was sitting in our house. Anybody uh, come over to 38th Memphis Street before we moved into our new place? 950 square feet of glory. <laughs> we had, I mean, it was the craziest thing. We had people living with us for months on end. And uh, anyway, it was a great place. But one day I was sitting before... Uh, I was sitting down, and back then I didn't have, we didn't have kids, so we had a little more spare time. I turned on the TV. I was going to watch them on TV, and all of a sudden, uh, I don't know what happened. I punched a button or two, and I realized I got on the channel, 
And that channel, I began to say, what channel is this? It was a movie channel, but it wasn't one that we had signed up for. We had a limited package, believe you me. And I looked on it, and I realized, in my mind, I, I began this kind of, oh, what am I going to have to deal with here? So I, I began to scan down and see what was on that channel, you know, when you can look at later times, the listings. And I got to the night time on that channel, and I realized there was illicit programming at night on this channel that I found while my wife was in the other room. There was not illicit programming at that moment, okay? It was all on the other up at that moment. But I um, went through a series of thoughts in my mind. The first one was, wow, there's something on this TV that I wasn't expecting. And uh, another thought that I had was, um, uh, well, I just went through a battle in my mind because I was like, well, what do I do about this? You know, I've got to do something about this or it's going to do something about me. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You don't do something about sin, it'll do something about you. So I was concerned in my heart. Uh, I I didn't walk in... in, uh, looking at pornography or anything like that at that time at all. But I kind of went through this whole thought thought process in my mind. Um, okay, I'm going to tell Sarah. But then Sarah's going to think I struggle. And then you know, all this in thought process. But what I did was very quickly, by God's grace, brought me through a whole path. And I thought, whoa, here is an open door for temptation for me. And uh, I, so I did the only thing I knew to do. I prayed for a moment, and then I talked to my wife. I said, Sarah, we got a channel on here that has some illicit programming at night, and we didn't order it. we got to call the cable company and talk to them about this and tell them we don't want it. So Sarah calls the cable company. I call them, or one of us, I don't remember. But we call them, and we're like, listen, we got a program that we don't want on our cable. You know, and they tell us some soft story about we can't remove it for a month or something. <laughs> I'm like, no, you will remove it today, uh, or I will remove you. <laughs> anyway, so they tell us, well, I can't remove, we can't remove it right now, but we'll, it'll fade off, you know. So we hang up, and I'm like, I'm not satisfied uh, with that for some reason, right? It's not because, so I said, okay, this is kind of embarrassing, seriously, think I'm on that or whatever. I said, Sarah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put a child lock on that channel with a number that I don't know. I'm not saying I would do anything, but I, I'm not even getting near it. I don't have anything to do with it. So she puts a child lock on the channel. You can lock it down. And uh, a certain code of numbers. And, uh, and then later that afternoon, it's very interesting. So this was all within one afternoon. Then later that afternoon, we get a phone call from Sarah's father. And it was one of those kind of phone calls. And some of our very dear friends lost three of their children in a plane crash. And we were just devastated. I mean, unbelievably devastated. But as a result of that, guess what? Sarah left town that night for Alaska to go and be with other people to comfort them and be a representative of a family. And guess what? I stayed home with a lock channel and walked in purity that whole time. I didn't know what was coming on the path, but by God's grace, I overcame temptation in that situation. And there are a lot of stories in that little story that I would want to say to you, if whatever the issue of temptation in your life is, if you're a man, there's a high percentage that's been sexual sin at one point. How do I know? I'm a man, and I've walked with men for years. 
But it may not be for everyone. And, you, and for women, that's sexual sin could also be a problem. But there may be uh, areas of anger, areas of, of greed, bitterness, unforgiveness, any kind of, of sin in our lives that we give way to, right? What I was making sure was I wasn't going to give way to that. But we all have had um, temptations in life, and not one of us is exempt from that. Not one. But it's how we deal with temptation, how we deal with temptation that affects whether we become the true people of spiritual influence that God wants us to be and what God desires for us. Or if we don't make the choices in that place to overcome temptation, we will squander our influence on the fleeting pleasures of sin. I'm not talking about you influencing people. Some of you might have a more influential job than me. You might have a more influential uh, face than me. <laughs> I don't know. You may have something more influential than me, but you will not carry the influence in the spirit that God has intended for you to carry for the rest of your life if you do not learn the lesson that Joseph teaches us here. A spiritual influence. Why are we talking about Joseph today? Why are we using him as an example for us? Because one of the things he did to become a person of spiritual influence was learn how to overcome temptation. Are you ready to look at Joseph's story? We want to draw uh, and talk a little bit about it. Let's look today. We're going to continue in the narrative of Joseph's life. And we're going to see uh, a key factor. This key factor of overcoming temptation. Um, and uh, that really determines whether we fully become the person of influence God's called us to be or whether we stunt our growth. It's not a matter of whether God could ever forgive you, right? And God can forgive you and you can exercise influence. This is not a story of it's all over if you have messed up. But there is a place in our life where we have to come and say, I want to choose to walk with God, learn how to overcome so that others can have something. I'm so excited today to be here with you and learning about this along with you. We will all, we're going to look at the way that Joseph overcame sin by three things that I'm going to look at here. One is living a life of a victor and not a victim. I'll say that again. Joseph lived life as a victor of, a victor in the midst of his circumstances instead of being a victim of his circumstances. There's two things you can do. We're all going to have circumstances, but we're either victors in it or we're victims of it. He lived as a victor, and that helped him in his life and freedom and helped him overcome temptation. The second was that he understood that his sin was against God. He understood he had a perspective, right, which is a deceptive, is a deceptive thing these days, the thought no one will ever know. He lived with the understanding that God was the one highest offended by his sin and that others would know. Well, look, we know. This is written down for all eternity. There was two ways this could have gone once I read it. And I bet Joseph is rejoicing in the Lord. It went the other way. And then the third thing is that he proved strong against sin by running from it like a deadly virus. <laughs> you can call whatever it is, a the bubonic plague, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, Brussels sprouts. I don't know, but he ran from sin. He proved his strength over, over temptation by running. And there's a real key there. Uh, yeah. So. 
Today we're going to continue in the narrative of Joseph's life. And let's look here at Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 5. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. I have taught on this scripture before, and one important uh, uh, thing that we can gain from this passage, which I'm not going to delve into today, is that servants are the great influencers. Joseph was a servant. He served where he was. He didn't wait till he was in a good position, in a good place, a good job, the job he wanted to be in, the place he wanted to be, the roommates he wanted, the city he wanted to live in before he started influencing people by serving. But I'm going to go a little different angle today, if I may. Joseph, I'm going to talk about this. As we look at this passage I just read, Joseph overcame temptation by living life as a victor in his circumstances or over his circumstances and not a victim of his circumstances. Joseph had had some circumstances in his life. Victim circumstances, right? The circumstances, he was a victim. What was Joseph a victim of? Well, he was a victim of his brother's spite and anger. He was thrown into a pit. That's not a lot of fun. He was thrown into a pit, then his brother sold him into slavery. He was a victim. He was a victim in a situation, but he did not live his life as a victim. His circumstances were victim circumstances, but he lived his life from a point forward there as a victor over his circumstances. He knew that he could not change the circumstances he was in. He could change the heart that he had while he was in that circumstance. The only thing really he could control in that situation was how he would respond. And I believe that if we do not deal... Let me just say something by deduction here. By deduction, I want to, 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 to share with you, and this is the way that I read it and the way that I see it, knowing God's character is that Joseph lived a life free of bitterness and free of self-pity. Now, how do we know this? I'm not saying he wasn't bitter, and I'm not saying he wasn't self-pity. I'm sure he wrestled with those emotions and feelings. Anybody ever felt that? Oh, pity for me. But Potiphar noticed that the blessing of the Lord was on everything that Joseph did. When the blessing of the Lord is on everything you do, it doesn't, right? He's in prison, so don't just say blessing means everything's easy. But the blessing of the Lord was on everything Joseph did. And God doesn't bless those who choose to walk in bitterness, who choose to walk as a victim of their circumstances. I'm not saying people aren't victims. I'm not saying we shouldn't comfort people who have been victims, and we should. But Joseph was a victor. And he lived that way, and God blessed him richly in the house 
we see that the master saw that the Lord was with him. How was the Lord with Joseph? In the way Joseph responded, the way Joseph reacted. Joseph wasn't sitting in a corner and did. He noticed the Lord was upon him because Joseph was doing things and the Lord was upon him. Joseph was not sitting back uh, uh, scheming how to get his brothers back, wondering how his life could have been. I'm certain that he dealt with it. I'm certain that he had temptations and he probably at times went there. But in a general sense, Joseph gave his life to moving forward as a victor. He said, here are the circumstances and I was a victim, but I'm not going to allow someone else to ruin my life. Someone else cannot ruin my life. I am not a victim of these circumstances anymore. I choose to make this a victorious place. Joseph chose victory in the midst of a really difficult place. Now, why is that important as we talk about temptation? Well, Joseph, because he realized, uh, in order to become a person of true spiritual influence, let me say it this way, we must live our lives with a victorious mindset. If we live as victims and we live given to bitterness, we're set up for losing the battle with temptation. It's hard to fend off temptation if I'm feeling pity for myself because then I have the right to, right? This is a uh, temptation, a sexual sin, temptation uh, as, as that I had to fight to walk in purity as an older single, you know? Well, all my friends, you know, I, I, all my friends are married, so, you know, and, and, uh, Self-pity wasn't helping me to stay pure. <laughs> it, it hindered me. I had to deal ruthlessly with that in my heart. Because if we pity ourselves, I'm not saying God doesn't have pity on us, because He does. I'm not saying that people don't have victims in this situation. But if we pity ourselves, it's like putting an umbrella on ourselves for the grace of God. The grace of God is raining it down, but it's just going right off the edge of the umbrella. Right off the edge. God's wanting His grace and forth, but we're pitying ourselves instead of allowing Him to show His pity, His mercy, His goodness, His kindness, His justice to us. It feels good at first, but isn't that like sin? Eventually, it's not. And I want to say this to you today. You may have been in a victim situation. You may have been sexually abused. You may have been physically abused. You may have been emotionally abused. And my heart goes out to you. You were a victim in that circumstance. But I want to say today, you are not a victim anymore of your circumstances. You are a victor in the midst of these circumstances. And I'm proud of you for forgiving those who have wronged you. For moving in life and saying, God's got something good for me. He's got something wonderful for my future. I want to say this right now. Jesus, you're not a product of the past. You're a product of the cross. You're a product of what God's done for you in Jesus. So the devil doesn't play fair when we're down. That's kind of the point of us getting in a place where, you know, we're like, well, I'm just kind of just distancing myself from God. I'm just dealing this because I'm just having a hard time. Everybody, you know, and that's fine. And God will understand. But the devil will go right at you. We, we need to realize that we have grace from God in each and every situation. And that grace may be to call out for a friend to pray for you call for someone to help you. The devil does not play fair when we're down. He'll come after us and he'll attempt to get us to throw away God's plan for our lives through sinful choices. But through living life with a spirit of thankfulness and free of bitterness, we're in a safer place when temptation comes our way. Living life preveniently, living in advance and thanksgiving. And uh, do we all uh, do it perfectly right? No. I at moments choose a victim mentality. 
and it doesn't do me any good, but I have felt that. And I have struggled at moments to walk in a thankful spirit. But if we'll walk in a thankful spirit, we'll walk in expectation that we're not a victim of our circumstances, but victors through these circumstances, God will do a great thing. The second thing that Joseph teaches us, uh, well, let's read here first. Chapter, verse 6. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. Can we just sit back and say, Go get him, Joseph. I love you, man. I'm looking forward to meeting you and saying thanks for being an example, being an influence to me in the way you handle this situation. You see, let's think about this situation for a minute. How old was Joseph? Maybe a year or two had passed. I don't know. But he was somewhere in the 17 to 20 range. He was a teenager. Teenagers have something called hormones. I don't know if you realize that. A 17 to 20 year old man is in the category of raging hormones. He has just been rejected by his brothers. He has every reason. You see now why I realize he's not walking in bitterness and self-pity? Because he has every reason to throw it away. Now here's another thing about this situation. I've said this before, but I will say it again. Well, I'll get more into it later. This woman was not unattractive to Joseph. I'll let you know why later. She was not unattractive to Joseph. He averted a big temptation. Temptation is not something that's unattractive, you know? You, I mean, I am not going to be tempted if you bring liver and onions up here, you know, for me to... What is temptation? It's something you're attracted to. It's something that your natural self wants very bad. And you cannot avoid temptation, by the way, folks. You can't avoid temptation. Stop trying. Well, but I do want to teach you this. Uh, if you'll understand me correctly. You can avoid sin. You cannot put your life in such a place where you'll never be tempted. You'll never be hurt. You'll never be subject to bitterness. You'll never be in a place like I found myself that day before the TV. Where something caught up with you in a weird, you know, whoa. But I was prepared that day, and that's what I'm hoping that we're learning today, to be prepared for that which comes. <clears throat> anyway, so you have a teenager, and if Joseph didn't have an, aware, uh, an incredible awareness of tenderness toward God, if he didn't have a relationship built with God, he could very easily have opted out for the comfort of an illicit relationship. Now you could say, well, that's really stupid. Joseph wouldn't do that because his masters, you know. Have you seen a lot of things the politicians have done lately? I mean, there's a lot of dumb. We become very dumb when the sin's on the line right next to us. I'm telling you that. And that's part of the, the, the deception of it, is that we think somehow we are going to get away with it. 
But anyway, uh, this was a test to see uh, from God. And God didn't give it to him, but he passed it. God allowed it in his way to see whether he would ultimately become that person of influence God had purposed for him to be. So we're talking about this. Joseph is in the house. He's well built and handsome. And uh, that means good looking guy. So the master's wife took notice of him, and she's asking him to go to bed. Fairly tempting to a young man that is alone and lonely and hurting and such. And uh, but Joseph, Joseph had a complete awareness of God. He had God as his accountability partner. What's an accountability partner? Well, there's this term used in Christian circles called the accountability partner. Anybody ever heard of it? Right? I'm not knocking accountability partner. I think it's important, but I want to get to a deeper point here. <clears throat> the thought with this is that someone else, you know, let's say, you know, Rob, me, you're talking every week, and he's holding me accountable for walking in, in um, freedom in, you know, every area of my life, and he's also holding me accountable to do what God's told me to do. So we're talking to each other every week. How's it going? Are you doing well in your thought life? Are you doing well with your finances? Are you loving your wife? Are you sharing the good news of Jesus? All of this. So that's good as an accountability partner. Uh, and it helps us. Um, in any way, there's an illustration about this. I have a friend of mine, Greg, who lived in a Muslim country. And he was so desperate to have freedom in his life, right? Because he was aware of God. That he, he didn't know any other Christians, but he was on a team starting, uh, starting uh, a work and starting a church in this Muslim nation. He was so desperate for someone to talk to because he'd just gotten free of sexual sin in his life. He had a wife and a couple of babies. He just really developed freedom. He said, I couldn't find anybody. There was no Christian. So I found the most devoted Muslim guy I could. And I said, brother, I want you to hold me accountable, brother. Hold me accountable. And he said, man, I had accountability confession times with this Muslim guy to make sure I was walking in freedom and purity and all that. Now, that was with a person, but I want to say this. So Greg was desperate for God's freedom, and he was accountable. And I wholeheartedly agree that we need others involved. Others are really kind of like the training wheels. They bring us back to reality. You ever had that? Somehow you're doing something that's not right, and it doesn't really bother you until you have to tell someone. Then you realize how... Off it is? Well, that's kind of the way you know, God uses others to help us to see. I, I wholeheartedly agree that we need others involved and that we should keep no secrets. I, I don't have any secrets. It's not with every one of you, but I don't have any secrets with a few of you. I tell you everything in my life. But I can tell you this. You can have five million accountability partners. And if you don't get down the very fact that your sin is against God, you're not going to fully break through. If other people have to chase you down, if the only reason that you're walking in freedom is fear of a consequence, then you haven't really truly learned what Joseph learned to stay free. Joseph didn't have an accountability partner at that moment. He didn't have someone, you know, he didn't have Levi or whoever else from his brothers. He didn't have anyone there. He had God. And he developed a relationship in such a way that how could I, he said, sin against God and do this? We have to have a revelation in our lives to walk as a person of spiritual influence. That, of course, we get other people in our lives, but we have to have this connection with God that my sin breaks the heart of God. When it, why is our sin against God? Why, why would you say? Because it's putting our hope in something else to meet our needs. It's saying something else is going to meet my need at this time. I don't need you, God. 
You're the God of all the universe. You created me. I need this illicit thing. I need something else. Or I need uh, to, through anger, make myself feel better. Or through, you know, um, jealousy, I need to deal with this. But God's saying no. It's putting that hope. And ultimately, ultimately our sin wounds other people. Now, I said you are not a victim of your circumstance, ultimately, but there are victims, right? But there is no victimless sin. There is no sin that doesn't affect someone else. And it breaks the heart of God when people are broken. You might say as a man or a woman that you want to keep something in your life that is not pleasing to God. But the reality of that matter is that it is hindering your ability to love other people. Sin in your life is like a rot that hinders you from being able to have full energy to love people the way God's called you to love them. It's not, you know, oh no, I'm afraid you're going to have fun, folks. You know, don't sin. No, the reality is there is uh, that our sin affects other people. So we as Joseph will overcome temptation by realizing our sin is not only against others, but it's against God. And God will uh, hold us uh, accountable to that. God is the best accountability partner. Because we're afraid of a consequence? No, but because we want to please our Father's heart. And we want to be steadfast. Man, I'm telling you, when I make decisions to walk in freedom of sin, when I make decisions to overcome, it's because I'm sick and tired of pastors and leaders having to tell the secrets that are the bad secrets. I'm ready for you to find out some good secrets about my life. Oh, Jeff remained faithful to his wife. Jeff never delved into sexual sin. Jeff never walked in this. I'm ready for a generation of leaders that we're able to tell people we're free. And we have been keeping secrets. The only secrets we keep is we pray silently in our closet. We, uh, we tithe and give generously without others knowing. The only secrets we keep are righteous secrets. And when we get caught, as a friend of mine, Tom O'Leary in California, St. Louis Abyssal says, we get caught being faithful. Joseph overcame temptation by knowing his sin was against God. We're going to round the corner here. Joseph overcame temptation by running from it. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, Joseph, and none of the household servants was inside. So, he, so she, the, the wife, caught him by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and he ran out of the house. When she saw he left his cloak in her hand and run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until the master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave he brought came to make support of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness, granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Next week we will talk about what happens when I obey God and, and I, get, I get the raw end of the stick. <laughs> Which is what Joseph did here. That's another temptation that we have to overcome as a leader. You do the right thing and then it doesn't all go rosy in your life. But what I want to talk about today, the poignant thing for today is this. Joseph overcame temptation by running from it. He ran from it. 
He ran when he even got the taste of temptation in his life. So this woman was not, I do not believe, she was unattractive to Joseph. I believe she was attractive to him physically. I believe she smelled good. I believe she looked good. I believe he was uh, literally uh, in, in throes of decision. But you see, why do I know this woman's attractive? Because he didn't just waltz out the door. I mean, you know, he's like, no, I can't do that. Thank you. Unattractive hack. <laughs> no, this dude, woo! He's scooting out that door. Oh, if you've ever felt that. The, the warm breath of, of a sin trying to draw you in and destroy your life before you'll run. I tell you, I've been burned in little ways before. I don't want to get, get burnt in a big way. I want to run from it. And uh, run from sin. We live in a society that doesn't really run from sin at times. And that's unfortunate. But God's raising us up to be a people that run from it. That don't play around with it. That don't make excuses for it. Here's the interesting thing. And uh, I'll just say it this way. Joseph did not show that he was strong about sin, right? By seeing how close he could get to it without sinning. He didn't show how strong he was by how much can I endure. He showed how strong he was by getting the heck out of there. He got out of there because he knew. And it's, it's an amazing thing to me sometimes that people, and me too, I just throw myself in there. It's an amazing thing to me that people would talk about, I deal with this struggle, right? You know, If you're dealing with comparison and jealousy, why are you looking at everyone else's Instagram, seeing how wonderful their life is all the time? Maybe pick up the Bible and deal with God. If you're dealing with, with sin, you know, throw your computer out the window. It, what, get it as far away from you as possible. Don't keep it around saying, I have to prove that I'm strong enough to have a computer alone, 500 miles from any human being, for 10 days with internet access, I speak, to prove that I'm a real spirit. No! That just proves you're dumb. I mean, you know, by God's grace, I have more liberties in my life, not liberty in sin in any way, but I'm able to walk in freedoms that I never walked in before because I do walk in freedom. I'm, I'm able actually to enjoy things in my life because they don't lead me to sin. I, it's, it's hard to explain, but I'm not walking in sin. I'm walking away from sin. And my encouragement is, I'm not just talking about getting out of there physically, though, and this is where I'll end. I'm talking about mentally staying free in your mind from that temptation. Temptation, it starts there in the mind, but it manifests in the physical. And that's what I said. You... You know, I mean, you all, bro, I, I deal with lust, but, you know, that shows a little bit provocative. It's got a good, you know, story on it, you know. There's a couple of bikinis come up here and there, but, you know. What are we doing? What are we feeding? You know, we're a woman that, I don't know, you understand. You're women. You understand your issues as well. <laughs> you can't choose to avoid temptation, but you can choose to avoid sin. I can say this to you today. I am not a perfect man. I have sin at times in my life. It breaks my heart. It breaks my wife's heart mostly. It harms her when I'm unkind, when I'm un- unloving. And really, and sin is an unloving thing to do. But I can tell you this there's freedom out there to be had. Life, we can walk in freedom. We can overcome temptation in every way. For those of you new on a faith journey, when Jesus was tempted in the desert by Satan, he overcame temptation. 
by, and by, um, of taking up his own rights. He won the battle with the devil. Jesus won the battle of temptation with the devil by laying down his life for you and me. And he ultimately won the battle with the devil by not allowing himself to become a simple temporal king, but becoming the king of all kings by dying on the cross for your sins. Who's the ultimate one that overcame temptation? Jesus. It says clearly in the book of Hebrews, Jesus overcame. He was tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin. Praise His holy name. Jesus lives within you. And for those of you who have a relationship with Jesus, I just want to ask you a couple of questions as the band comes up. And we'll move into response. Here's a couple of questions for you today. And I want to say God's grace is upon you. And His mercy is toward you if you have sinned. Praise God for it because I've experienced His mercy. Are you living life as a victim of your circumstance or as a victor over circumstances by choosing to be thankful for where you are and forgiving those that have wronged you? Are you waiting until the circumstances are favorable before you begin living life as a victor? I want to welcome you and encourage you today to start victorious life today. Don't wait until you get in a different place. You have different friends. Somebody tells you they're sorry for something. Uh, to start living a victorious life. Live it today. Are you living life aware that your sin is against God? Or are you under a deception that no one will ever see, no one will ever know, and that it's not really hurting anybody? The third question I'd ask is, are you fleeing from sin when temptation comes your way? Or are you pausing to look at that temptation as Eve paused when she looked at the fruit on the tree and she considered it and it led into sin. I encourage you today that God has freedom for you, each and every one of you. None of you is so in any way bound where you cannot get freedom. We don't want to have influence for a while that's ultimately forfeited because we failed to overcome temptation. But we want to have lifelong influence and learn those lessons from Joseph's life so we can be the influencers that God's called us to be for His glory and for others' good. Let's pray. Let's stand. Thank you so much, Father, that you are good that all of your ways are good. I thank you that you have chosen to do a good work in us today. And Lord, I'm asking by the name and blood of Jesus that you would bring freedom and you teach us to be a people who overcome temptation for the sake of you being glorified and others being set free. Lord, I pray that you springboard to people's lives and in no way it's not we block. We love you, we praise you, and we honor you. In Jesus' holy and precious and honorable name we pray. Amen.